Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ross. Ahoy, friends. This is your Friday follow-up for episode 42, The Fire, A Closer Look. As promised in an earlier episode, Bob went back and did a bit of an arson investigation of his own. And now we have lots of questions from listeners. We'll get right into it right after this. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Skystream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Skystream. TV simplified. Head to sky.com. Requires Skystream and broadband minimum speed, 10 megabits per second, 18-month minimum term. Cut-off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday. 18 plus terms apply. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we, as, as mentioned last week, we are sans Zach this week. He is, he's out on a, a very important assignment um, and won't be with us. He'll be back next week. Uh, we haven't kicked him all. He's missed two. He's been sans twice. Uh, a couple of sands. Yeah, but this, this time he's out on the high seas, which is yeah. about as ahoy as it gets. <laughs> right. That, that's that's very accurate. Yes, he is out on the high seas. Uh, he should have taken his hat. He should have taken it's, it's. I know he didn't because it's sitting right in front of me. This pirate mm. hat that a listener Next sent time. him. But uh, a couple house housekeeping things. One uh, in the YouTube chat, people are talking about the the Hulu episode. Uh, thank you, everybody who watched that and all the kind words from everybody. I thought they did a great. It's a little frustrating for me when I watched it because. And I'm sure for a lot of you, because there's so much to that story and they only had an hour to get it in. And I was like, when they went from it's like Kim misses Ed being home. And then it was almost, it was like yada, yada, yada. And Ed's home now. In the <laughs> <laughs> process. Yeah. There was a reason that you wanted to pitch it as a whole series. And when it yeah. gets compressed into an hour. Yeah. Of course but I thought, I thought it. they did a fantastic job. Um, it, it was just, like I said, they had to cut a lot out. One, my only complaint was, I felt like because the the concept of the series was you know web sleuths doing you know affecting mm-hmm. the case that they like made me and the audience out to be the heroes which you know we, sure we are part of it but I was they left everything that Allison and Roger Nichols did out of it um and so that was like I immediately was texting Allison and I'm like oh like 
just so you know, I had nothing to do with that. Like, yeah, like, of I course. And of course, she didn't care. She was just happy the story got out there. But I felt bad that there was so much of a focus on the work we did that they didn't. They kind of ignored the work they did. So if you are someone listening who did, hasn't listened to season two, just know there was a lot more to that story. It was a massive team effort that yeah. required a ton of work from Allison Clayton and and who was never even mentioned. The, the parole attorney, Roger Nichols, who was the one who actually uh, pushed the ball across the finish line. Yeah. Um, all that stuff was left out. But other than that, it was great. Uh, uh, Quentin's nonsense was completely cut out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's that a key question we all had after oh, yeah. last week's follow up. Yep. Yep. We uh, uh, we all sat down as a family to watch it. And like they, they they showed the dinner table and the scene as they were walking up. And we all were like, oh, even Quentin was like, oh, God, please. No, please. No, please. No. <laughs> He and, wasn't uh, like, I made all those memes for nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no, maybe later he was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so all that was cut out. And my dad, a lot of people loved my dad. Did you, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, that hurts. Uh, <laughs> you can't pick and choose when you decide you care about how busy I am at Sketchfest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and also, I, I don't, I mean, I guess I could get it. The thing is, I keep wanting, I want to watch it on a television. I don't want to just like watch it on my computer. Like, I don't want to get Hulu for a month to watch that on my laptop, like in a theater somewhere yeah. while the show's going on. I want to like sit and watch it on my television. Sure. But I'm not home. But no, well, when you watch, watch it, I think it bothers me that I haven't seen it yet. I think they did, they did a great job. My dad got too much airtime, I would say. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of people. Did his like, and I just told him. Oh, yeah. Do what you do. Uh- <laughs> no, not that line. That line <laughs> oh, okay, didn't make okay. it in. Um, and but so still. it was 50 50 with Popsy. So everybody loved my dad. Uh, and he's very lovable. That's that's great. Um, at the end of the show, there is they did capture a very emotional moment, a rare emotional moment between me and my dad. That was very and to be clear, that was very real. Yeah. Um, and it was and it was great. And it was a cool moment. And it's cool that they caught it, put it in there. He also was in the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that part, total bullshit. None of that happened. <laughs> None of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> that great, great, great. Fifty percent. Okay, got it. Uh, yeah, everybody in the YouTube uh, chat saying my dad was. Like, yeah, he, he's great. Um, but yeah, when he was like, he's he like tells this story of how, like, like when I started the show, I was calling him, going, "Dad, there's like ten people emailed me," and then the next day he's like, "Dad, like a hundred people emailed me." And then he was like, "Dad, I can't even keep up with the email." None of that. I've never had one conversation with my dad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to shout out also, uh, Michelle says Becky was the real star. Let's be real. Uh, she was, Becky was very nervous about being on the, she didn't want to be on. They kind of tricked yeah, her. Yeah, you said they, they tricked her. They're like, let's just put this microphone on you. But don't yeah. worry, you won't be on camera. Um, but but she was great and she will Sounds forever like be immortalized great. on Hulu telling the world how smart I am, which I've reminded her of six times since. The, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> since Only six? Yeah. So, well, every time she calls yeah, me a dumbass. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Happened six times well since said. Thursday. Yep. Well said. Um, yeah. So if you haven't checked it out, it is uh, Hulu. The series is called Web of Death. Uh, our episode is episode three. Uh, it's called Crowdsource Justice. And Great. it's all about Ed's case. And again, it, it's a, it, like you'll if you really know the case uh, intimately, you'll be maybe a little frustrated that they, they breeze through stuff. But it just has to do with the amount of time they had and the focus of the show. Um, yeah. But all in all, great job. They did a great job. Awesome. Wish they would have mentioned that Leonard Mosley's DNA was found on the mm-hmm. bed. But didn't mention that. Felt um, they, okay. All right. Y- yep. So, well, and it was, and the way they presented, they presented like the prosecution's case, like in depth first. We're like 20 minutes in and Quentin's like, dad, are you sure this guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is uh, not looking Sounds good. Sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Not looking good for Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then they kind of undid it as things went on. 
Um, other updates that we said, Zach, Zach's gone that, Oh, uh, West, West Memphis three. three. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I don't know if I, I, I think I mentioned it last week that, that Damien's attorneys have filed their appeal for the ruling that said they couldn't test the DNA to the Arkansas state Supreme court. And as of, I think last night, the, the district attorney filed requesting a 21 day extension to respond to the brief. Uh huh. So we don't know if that'll be – they're trying to just buy themselves some more time. We don't know if that's going to be approved or not. So we don't know. But hmm. we're hoping that things will move along pretty quickly there in that sure. case. Uh, can they okay. ask for whatever time they want? Is like there a limit? Like can you say – is 21 – I guess I'm saying is 21 days significant? Like is that like the max you can ask for or do you know? No. I th- well, I think they can ask for whatever they want. And I don't know what the I – think, I think they had 30 days to respond. Mm-hmm. And – or maybe it was 14 days. I'm not positive about that. And then they just asked for an extra – um, okay. Extra three weeks, basically, to to get okay. it in. So we'll see how that goes. I would imagine okay. it would get granted. Most in most cases, I followed. Usually, the judges grant those extensions. Uh, Teresa just reminded me. Also, said she got her T shirt. Um, most everybody should have their merch. If you don't, go ahead and email me. There were there were and for those of you who have sent emails, um, because there was some kind of mix up. You got the wrong shirt or the wrong size, or you know, you know, she sent out hundreds of them. Of course, there's going to be a couple mix ups. Those have all been forwarded over to the manufacturer. I think she's gotten back to most people, but um, just know, like, if you haven't heard back from her yet, she's she's looking things up, fixing them, and then sending them out. Um, Rachel is doing a fantastic job of making sure everybody gets exactly what they ordered. So those are nice. those are coming. I feel like mine is probably at my house, but I'm not there, so I don't know. Oh yeah, you because you if left. If I were, before. I'd be wearing it right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next week, next week cool. you can wear it. Um, and with that, I think that is all of the housekeeping for, for this week we can get into. So, uh, somehow in an hour and a half now, hour and 40 uh-huh. minutes, we haven't, <laughs> I haven't asked you if you, you know, what you thought of the episode while you were, uh, busy, busy over there at Sketchfest this, this week. It was a weird, I enjoyed doing this episode and there were definitely people that, that had, um, you know, questions are like, you kind of contradicted yourself as you went. The literally that episode was like streaming thought. No, oh wow, no script. I mean, I had notes, but then yeah. I was literally figuring things out as I was going through, I had the photos and the, and the report and stuff in front of me as I was going mm-hmm. through it. So it was, it was really kind of an off the cuff type of type of episode, which I was hoping didn't sound like me rambling for an hour and a half. What'd you think? I loved it. I thought it was so fascinating. I, I mean, you know, I think a lot of us are here because we feel like we get to be a part of your investigation. We get to feel we we feel like we're on, on the inside of it in some significant way. And that's definitely that kind of episode for me is is really getting a sense of, you know, and also I think a lot of us like when, you know, pieces of your past life kind of come in and serve a purpose. Yeah. And so um, I found that all really fascinating. I was really, really interested, as I know many people were, in the John development and mm-hmm. the bed and the springs and all of that. We have some additional kind of follow-up questions about that. But obviously, we've talked about it so many times. I'll just, you know, repeat myself again that the mystery of what happened and exactly what the circumstances were is is haunting and it just it, i think it bothers so many of us it's the reason you know it's probably that's like it's the reason why the people who are in prison are in prison it's the reason why it took so yeah. long like all of that is it's such a big question mark so anything that elucidates things that become you know things that become more clear um it, it is so it's so satisfying to 
hear from you. Like, I think we have at least some further detail and answers as to some part of this crime. Um, I found that to be so satisfying. And, you know, oftentimes that raises more questions, but um, not in a bad way. You know what I mean? For me, it's like, well, great. It- it did exactly like I loved what this did because it it really highlighted the whole crowdsourcing nature of this. So like me taking that information, putting it out, what I thought generated some awesome discussion, which has cleared a lot. Like like we like I have a better understanding now after four days of listener feedback, and you know, uh, I want to shout out. Um, I still haven't found out how her name's pronounced. Uli, I feel it, very confident it's Uli. Uli, it's I know Uli. you're in here. Please tell me that my confidences should be shattered if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Uli has been fan- like like she has gone through the um, the arson photo and, and identified so many mistakes in the original arson investigators. Aren't report. you so like, glad you did that? What if you hadn't done that? Yeah, it, it's fantastic, and it's given me a, a clearer picture because, as I said in the episode, it's that report is very difficult to decipher for me as an arson investigator looking at it. Because it wasn't like there's so many photos that are like up close, like there's no perspective. You don't know where it's at. Um, And Uli discovered that a lot of things were mislabeled, like the fact that there isn't a hole in front of the stairs, like like we're like the big thing, right? The hole from oh wow in in front of the front entryway. Uh huh. From at least from what we can see in the photos, I don't see a hole there. I saw a hole that I thought was there because there's like a photo of the hole. Uh huh. That says this is the hole in front of the in front of the front entryway, but then there's other further back photos where you see the floor in front of the front door, uh-huh. and there's not that hole's not there. There's a hole over in the dining room. So you think uh, he just maybe misspoke, or like he was doing his report late? I don't know. Well, the report wasn't written until January, which is another problem. Um, I think they, but, but like a, a lot of them are misleading. There are slides that say. This is the dining room, and you can tell very clearly that it's not the dining room; that it's a different room. Yikes! Um, uh, and, and Uli says you you were correct, Janet. That's how you pronounce Yay. the okay um, uh, her name. So, uh, but but yeah, th- those discussions, and then we've had further discussion on kind of the layout of the house. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, like like I had wrong, so I was basing the layout of the house off of the photo it just kind of i used to be a contractor i used to do construction so based on like like my knowledge of construction and the 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 hand-drawn sketch that i that i kept saying was tiffany's sketch because because the, there's an interview where tiffany is drawing something mm-hmm. there's an interview where drew is helping draw something mm. and then there's also an interview where ron drew something i believe that sketch actually was made by ron so i want to correct that but the, the, you see the dormers i thought they were on the front um, somebody pointed out they don't they they don't think they're because in one of Ron's interviews he says no there's no dormers on the back there's just a shed dormer which is like walls that just go straight up eight feet where the bathroom is on the back but those three dormers were actually on the front of the house that led to us going to the wayback machine on Google Earth looking for satellite images uh, and then somebody and those weren't real clear but then somebody suggested GIS so I went to the Riverside County GIS website which are satellite imagery. And got a very clear picture of the house, and for sure. Okay, well, this those, is uh, this I don't even think I saw. So yeah, so if you look on the cool. on the fan page, those can I, you pin like, that? I think I did. I think I did pin. Oh, that. really? Okay. And, and there's very and and there's variation because like I put up a post with my drawing and was like here, and then people were like, I don't saw think that. this is right, and it was like, oh, unpin that. Here's a satellite image. Now it looks like now we've got this, and it's like, oh well, I think I know how the end of the house looks. 
And I did a, a, a drawing, like from looking at the garage. Saw that. Yeah. And, and and I think that there was a window right there where Tim Summerly saw the flames coming out of Becky. And then somebody pointed out that, and I'm still on, to be clear, I'm still unclear about that window because, you know, some people said, well, that's a vent. And I think in one of Ron's interviews, he says, no, there was a, there was a vent on that end. But that doesn't make sense because there was no attic. You wouldn't vent into a bedroom. And in Ron's drawing, he shows Becky's bedroom going all the way to that end of the house with nothing in between. So but I'm, there's an attic in the above the garage. Is that above the, the garage? Was? Correct. Okay. So, so the, okay. So what you got to remember is the garage, the house. Remember, there was three steps up into the house from the sure. garage. So yeah. the the house first floor of the house is three feet higher. Than the first, than the garage floor, so so it's already stacked up higher, and then right. you have the attic bedrooms above it, and so that that peak goes above the peak of the garage, and there's space there for a window or a vent. Okay, I don't know which one it is. If it's not a window, then Becky would have only had window one window out the front of the house, hmm. not the back. So that's so I put that picture, but just understand that's still I'm, that's just me trying to decipher what I can from what the information we have. I think it was probably a window, but we're still not positive about about that. And then somebody somebody had put up um, or had shown me some like CAD drawings that supposedly came from the case file, but they're not in my case file, which is hmm. the discovery file. Hmm. Um, and those CAD drawings, I think maybe were generated from there was another fire expert that came in like in 2017, hmm. and what he was refuting was DeHart's estimate about how long it would take the fire to get from the first floor up to the second floor. And there's like all, like I have his hand drawn notes and there's like pages and pages of it. And it's, he's calculating heat release rate based on the, but there's like, it's useless because there are, there's like two pages of assumptions he had to make. Like Mm -hmm. we're assuming this door was open. We're assuming that was open. We're assuming there was one couch here. We're assuming there was a Mm. bed here. We're assuming this, we're assuming that. That sounds like classic Bob talking about why people get mad at arson investigators when they assume too much. And it's like, there's all this math. And I, and like, I don't, I couldn't do it now, but I understand the math. You know, he's, he's calculating all the heat release rates to determine how, but there's so many unknowns. It's, I don't even know why they wasted their time. One of the unknowns being the biggest one is the entire second floor is gone. So for all we know, they could have poured gasoline all over the second floor. Right. And we would never know. And the entire west side of the floor is gone, which, uh, to be honest with you, DeHart's determination of the point of origin is baffling to me. Hmm. What, like, And to make a big deal about the hole that, by the way, may not be there, um, that, oh, there's the point of origin because there was gas poured there. And then the, the, the point of origin from the steps – uh, because there's low burn on the steps. We know that wasn't burning when, when Tim Summerlee was there, but completely ignore the fact that the entire floor is gone on the other side of the house and all the walls are gone on the other side of the house. I don't even understand that. But um, before I get too much further into that, I guess we'll go through the the questions and see where those lead us. Let's do it. But let me ask you a quick, very quick question, just based on the CAD drawing um, mention, uh, just to clarify. So if you don't have something that was in the discovery file where does that come from because i thought that you should have everything i thought that the whole point of discovery was that you should have everything that anyone else has in any other file right yeah and i yeah i i don't know because no one's been able to Hmm. it's you know there's there's another group that has access to the file i I don't know where they got the file 
that they have. And I don't know. It'd be so mm-hmm. amazing if it ended up being that like a Brady was found because. Yeah. Well, in order for it be Brady, it's got to be. Someone was like, yeah. hey, here's the here's here's a little something to wet everybody's whistle. And that's like, yeah. this was never in the discovery file. Thank you so much for handing that <laughs> on a silver platter. Right. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, that would have to be exculpatory in order for that right. to be the case. And it it's 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 just it's just a cat drawing of what they think the house looked like. Right. Um, so it's not there's not much to it. Um, but yeah, no one's been able because because I Isaac is there any chance that was whoever they got the file from? Maybe that's something they created later. There's no Bates number on it, from what I understand. So yeah, I don't I don't really know where that cat. And Teresa's mentioning uh, Teresa's mentioning in the YouTube that that Drew talked about a balcony, a balcony that sounds to be above the back patio. Teresa says. D- Drew talked about that. That's what Teresa says. I don't remember, but Drew mentions I mean, the Teresa, bay window. Drew. But it's it's very. The conversation when she does, because I was reviewing that yesterday, it was going, it goes really fast. She's like, well, Becky would have jumped out the window there. And then she's like, so she's in the middle of like showing on a drawing where things were at. She's like, so so here's the front door and here's that. And you know, if, oh, if Becky, she would have went out a window, uh, she could have gotten out the window and there's a bay window right here. And it's like, well, is she, has she stopped and gone back to now I'm showing right. you where the bay window is? Right. Or is she saying, she would use the bay window as part of the escape, which is what I think is if there's an escape off that roof, anywhere to the front of the house is just a huge drop because right. again, remember the three foot foundation. Right. So dropping off the roof onto the ground is about a 12 foot drop, which yeah. would, which would, you know, it's not something because, because she says, Tiffany says that they used to do it when they were kids, they would jump off right. the roof. Like no one's right. jumping off so a 12 a foot roof. Right. The only spot where in the middle dormer there's a deck underneath there, but that's still a nine foot drop down to that yeah. deck. And you got the handrails that come up about three feet. So maybe so now you're down to about a six foot drop, but then you're trying to land on a two inch railing that's probably yeah. not very sturdy. It doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot more sense to go off off the back. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with, uh, so there was a really great discussion around the sketch and the photos. We've talked about that a little bit. Um, there's, there, I think there were multiple Facebook conversations going on uh, on the Facebook page. Uh, there were discussions, as you said, about the windows. I feel like we've covered a lot of that, but just shout out to Lynn and Janaya and Marla and Karen and Jennifer and Megan, who were on one specific post where um, we kind of got into like what knee, like what knee walls were and yeah. uh, a lot of just like cool clarification on some of that architectural stuff, but also the scaffolding. People were bringing the scaffolding into conversation. Right. Like, do we know was the scaffolding for sure there when the house burned, was the scaffolding put up after to try to access something? Like, I know people had questions about that. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So the scaffolding was there prior to the fire. I don't, it would make sense. A lot of people said, well, what if she, if she escaped onto the roof, why wouldn't she just go down the scaffolding? I, I doubt she did. But like, like if it's a scenario where I'm right and, and she escaped after the fire, they didn't know she was there. If she went down the scaffolding, I don't know why on earth she would run the other direction. Because it was direction. on the west side of the house? Yes. Is that right? Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah it, was on the, it was on the west side of the house. So I would think she would just take off that direction, not go back towards. I mean, there's an argument there. that's going there that, straight towards a log cabin also. Like, what, if you, unless you knew right. that she wasn't home, like, that would be a perfect place to run. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's an argument to be made that if that was the case, maybe she was trying to get to her car. Because people have asked, like, why? Because in one of those diagrams I put up in the aerial, I showed where the wheelbarrow was at. And they're like, well, why would she run that way? 
Well, yeah. it, it's you got to understand, like if she left out the back to get to her car, she has to go around. There was trees there. There was a picnic table there. There was a car parked there. So she would have she couldn't just run straight. She would have to go out and around to where her body was found to right. get to her car. Um, as far as the knee wall thing, that's um, and I don't remember if I mentioned the episode of it was it was in um, I think it was just in the Facebook in a post. I was just trying to figure out like the height and that drawing that I did, not not the the because I actually deleted the the wider the dry erase board photo out of the case file uh, documents because it's incorrect. So then I put some okay. new ones up. the The knee wall is so when you have those those dormered attic type rooms, so they're the type of rooms where you know it, it, there's a high ceiling in the middle, but it slopes down on the sides, mm-hmm. like it like if it was an attic, but it's a bedroom. Right. Um, the knee wall is is out on the ends. It's if the the peak of the roof, if it goes all the way down right to the floor, so there's an angle there, mm-hmm. is not usually common if you're if you're going to use it for living space. Usually, you'll build up at least a short wall there, like two or three feet, and then the roof would attach to that. So, so the the ang- the the ceiling would come down at an angle all the way till about three foot off the ground, and then drop straight down. That's what I meant by knee wall, and we don't know. A, if there was a knee wall, two, I assume there probably was, but two, how high it was. It could have been right. four foot, could have been one foot, two foot. We don't know. Right. Right. Um, but that mattered in that drawing. If you see that drawing that is on our website, um, the aerial photo and the drawing are on our website to show um, you know, where that window could be that would it, – it's the, it's the place where Tim Summerlee saw the flames coming out. And, so, and, and it, if it was a window, then it would be an easy – open the window, step right onto the roof of the garage. And once you're on the roof, you can move around all over the place. Right, right. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to shout out Ellen because that was something that Ellen had asked about was where was her car in relation to that wheelbarrow. So... Um, yeah, it is a good reminder that you could absolutely see heading that general direction. In fact, I want to ask you this. Is there any scenario in which, because based on what you were describing, it didn't seem like we, it seemed like it was seemed less possible or likely, and it's not something that you've really posited, but is there a scenario you see knowing that that garage door was always open and that the door leading into the house inside the garage was always open or unlocked? And because that's out where her car is, and because that's also, if you ran through the garage, the wheelbarrow would also be just right off to your left near her car. Do you think there's a Uh way she could have run down inside still? That would, I guess, preclude the fire from having been started, like at the base of the stairs or whatever, but like where she would run out to that door that everyone always used to get in and out of the house and be caught, like, 
right outside the garage, which is also next to the wheelbarrow. In order for that scenario to work, one, the fire couldn't have been started yet because of the amount of accelerant. I don't think anybody's going downstairs to get out during that. There'd be flames, pretty heavy flames. But her car was kind of directly across from the garage and the wheelbarrow was another 60 feet or so to the north or to the, so, but there's still a scenario, right? So like if, if say that happened, if somehow she went downstairs and went out the garage and was running to her car, but then the offenders are there, certainly she could turn and be running away from them then at that point and end up over there by the wheelbarrow. So yeah, there's, there's a million scenarios where that could work. I just don't see, I, I, I think the fire in the house again like the, the the one one thing that i'm i'm very i it's not fact but i am very sure of is that becky was killed after the fire was lit there's the only explanation possible that makes any kind of sense for her body not being inside the house with the other two bodies during the fire is that it was already burning and they couldn't put her in there and now because one thing in a conversation i had yesterday that i hadn't really thought of before but we know that Becky was lit on fire after the house was lit on fire. So based on the forensic anthropologist, you know, she says 20 minutes, she concedes up to 30 minutes, which puts it at Becky is lit on fire no earlier than 946. But between 940 and 945, residents are already calling the fire department about the fire in the house. Right. So again, if you think about that that scenario and Becky being burned, you know, whether, you know, she was, you know, the initial target or if she was like an interruption, you now have to consider too, what are the, what is the likelihood that Becky's killed first, they go kill the parents and then go pour a bunch of gasoline, light the house on fire, which is now a raging fire that's obviously going to draw people's attention and then go outside and say, okay, well, now let's light light her on fire afterward. If she's the one who's most on your mind, she's the primary target, but they lit the house on fire first and then went out and lit her on fire. Good point. It's almost like we need our own internal stipulations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like rather than bouncing around on certain things because there are still so many unknowns, it's like, what can we stipulate as truth and justice is a fact? And are we stipulating that Becky absolutely was lit on fire after the house. And if we stipulate to that, then we, everything we do takes that into account. Right. Yeah. Without and, and I don't, it. and I don't think that can be questioned. I don't think, right. I, I don't think that it, that it can be. There's certainly no evidence of that. The evidence very, very clearly shows Becky was lit on fire after we, and we don't know how long after, because right. we, again, we, there's too many unknowns about how much gasoline was used and what was used upstairs. Um, so we don't know, if if say there was gasoline poured in Becky's room, then it would and her window was open. Well, then it would just take seconds for the flames to be showing out that window. Hmm. If there wasn't gas put in that room, or the window was closed, or it's a vent in an attic above her room somehow, well, then it would take a long time. It could take you know to get up into an attic through the drywall into the attic and out of vent. Now you're talking about. 30, 40 minutes, an hour. It could take a mm. really long time mm-hmm. to, because I have to remember back to my fire. I, I have books somewhere in my shelves that, that could, that could tell me, but like the dry, drywall is rated for a period of time. Um, like it's, you know, typically residential drywall off the top of my head are two hour firewalls. So it, it and that means that it would take two hours for a fire to break through that drywall to get into the attic and then out the vent. Mm. Is one of the reasons why I don't think 
that it was a vent. I think it was a window because it just, because it's a vent that implies that it's separated because it would mm. be in the attic. You don't have a vent just into your bedroom that you can't close or anything. Yeah. So, but 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 in any case, yeah, I think that we can we can easily everybody should be able to stipulate that the fire the house was lit on fire before Becky was lit on fire. Right. God, it's just so it's it's again it's still so frustrating to imagine that all those variables, the idea of what could have been happening in the time frame between, say, if the fire was lit much earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a vent and it was exactly what you said. It's like the maximum amount of time it would take for it to, to the flames to be poking out of a vent, for example, mm-hmm. like what, but, but we know when Becky was set on fire, the yeah. latest and earliest that she could be set on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that window of time, what's the shape of that? What's going on in that window of time? It's, ugh, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why the state brought in the expert before trial, because DeHart, I don't remember exactly because it, it, it was like some pretrial testimony, I think, it, where he had said that it would take – it was it was a long time. It was something like an hour or something like – he said it would take a long time for the fire to get upstairs and vent out and that the state saw that as a problem. You know, they, they, they said, well, why, you know, why would they have lit the house on fire then by, say, 840 and then not light Becky on fire until 945? Right. Yeah. It seems like a weird Which turn like, of events. Which is like, what? Yeah. So they tried to narrow the, that – that expert came in, made a bunch of assumptions to be able to narrow that time window. Right. Don't make assumptions. Betsy says, your fire investigation was very insightful and interesting. Was the original fire investigation ever revisited or re-examined prior to you? If so, was it documented? And you just mentioned somebody trying to do a little something, obviously, yeah. Right, yeah, right before the trial. And then the yeah 2017, like figuring out heat signatures or whatever terminology you used. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. It's, the last name's Carmen. It's like Carmen and Associates or something. They did have somebody else come in, but pr- that was their primary purpose was to try to determine how quickly the fire would get out uh, or get to the second floor and get out. And it was like it's – I'm not saying their work isn't accurate. I'm saying – because they were very clear that it was based on assumption. But there are so many assumptions in there. Like it's like, okay, you can say it got up there in 20 minutes in this set of circumstances – but do you know if that was the set of circumstances? No, you don't. So, right, yeah, and exactly. It's like if you if you're accepting the original report and it's not a reexamination of that, and you're just going off that and coming up with more details, you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, Crispy says, "Is it normal to allow the crime scene to be open to the family before the arson investigation?" Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Can't <laughs> it's, be that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely definitely really not. Got it. Uh, Lynn says, "Would fi- oh yeah." So let's talk about the empty water bottles really quickly. Okay. Um, questions of people were questioning like, could the empty water bottles be significant to the family? Could it mean more about the barbecue, uh, per- perhaps happening or not happening? Could it mean that they came back and and drank water after the hike, and that shows us that the hike happened? Um, Lynn says, "Would fire responders discard their empty water bottles in an area they had already?" They already know it was a crime scene. And I was trying to remember with you earlier in the pre-show if the water bottles thing came up in the episode or if that was something that came up on Facebook. And I don't remember it coming up in the episode. It was in the, it was in the LeClaire episode. Um, oh, okay, he, okay. Was, he was asked, he was shown photos of the water bottles and asked if they were collected and tested and they weren't. Gotcha. Um, so that's the answer to that. I, so, so the answer is we don't know because they weren't collected or tested. Um, Based on my experience as a firefighter, I can almost guarantee you those came from the firefighters. 
Um, right. It's just like every single fire scene I've ever been to ever has water bottles littered all over it because it's just, you know, it's extremely intense physical work. And, and one thing they try to teach is to try and stay hydrated, but they end up, it, it looks terrible. Like, you know, they're just littering all over the place, but a lot of it's just circumstance. So if you're sitting there on a hose line with a mask on fighting fire, you, they'll send somebody around with, you know, water bottles, anybody, you know, toss, you know, they toss you a water bottle. You step back out of the smoke for a minute, pull your mask off, chug it down, drop it and go right back to work. Sure. You know, and, you know, of course we'd always try to pick them up at some point later afterwards, but yeah, I've never been to a fire scene that didn't have Aquafina bottles scattered all over it. Right. Okay. Uh, Kristen says, do you think the perpetrators brought the gas with them or did they use the gas John had? How much gas would be needed to cause the whole house to burn down? There's too many unknowns. We don't know. I mean, there's the fact that there's a gas can right in the middle of the walkway in the garage, you know, is is it's that, you know, DeHart noted it was out of place. Like you could see he said he could see the place under the workbench where the gas cans were stored, but one gas can was out right in the walkway through the garage. Seems likely that that was used. And I think it still had a little bit left in it. I don't remember uh, if it had any in it, but as far as how much can use again, there's so many unknowns. That's why I don't understand at all. Why DeHart was so focused on that hole in the floor that I had no idea until I really got into and read the details of his report Mm -hmm. that the entire West side the living room and den, if you're looking at the sketch that Ron had made, that floor is completely burned away. So you don't, you know, we, we there's just no way to know how much gasoline was used. We don't know. There's too much, too much collapse, too much damage. We don't know where it was spread. Uh, so there's just no way to, and, and as you mentioned earlier, as I said, like arson investigation by some is considered a junk science. Well, that's when it's considered a junk science. When somebody, when somebody will tell you, well, I think there was between two and three gallons of gasoline used. Like you cannot know that. There's no possible way to know that in these these circumstances. Right. Yeah, people are just talking about the 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 bottles too. Like, would they have sustained damage um, if they were there before the fire? Like, wouldn't they have sort of deformed or melted a little bit if they were that close to the heat and all that kind of? Not necessarily. I had a, uh, a, a some conversation in a in a post on on the the fan page too about radiant heat and, and radiant heat is a complicated animal the way it mm-hmm. works um, because we were talking about the charcoal and the grill and they're like, well, look, the, the, there's a bag of charcoal laying down right there and it's not burned and the table's not burned. So I don't think that there would be enough heat to make the charcoal inside the grill burn. And then I point out, I said, well, but look on top of the table, there's a plastic bucket and one side of it is melted away Right, and it's 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 a different kind of heat. Radiant heat travels in waves. It's a weird thing where we deal dealt with it a lot when you have two houses, you know, a house is burning and there's another house close to it. We're trying to stop the other house from burning. Way back in the day, uh, there was a, a an invention called a water curtain. It was this thing that you would like this big heavy piece of brass that you would set mm. up, hook a hose line to, and it would spray a wall of water. Oh. And all the departments across the country bought it, and then the house would be burning, and they'd set that up so it would protect Uh-oh. the other house, and there'd uh-huh. be this wall of water between the two houses, and the other house would catch on fire anyway, and they couldn't uh-huh. figure out how. It's because the air between the two doesn't get hot. There's like It's a weird thing, and I don't even understand the science of it. I just know how it works, but these heat waves will travel through space, and then when they hit a surface, then that surface on the other side will then heat up. So like the heat waves would travel right through that wall of water. It wouldn't cool them off like it would convected heat. They they just pass right through it. 
And then when they hit oh. the surface of the house on the other side of it, it would melt the siding down and, uh, and, and cause the fire to spread over there. And that's so what you see there in that backyard. So you have those water bottles laying there, but there's also paper. There's a lot of stuff there that's not charred because heat convects, it goes up, but there's also radiant heat waves that hit a surface. And in my, my, my analysis of the charcoal grill is because the steel of the charcoal grill itself would be would be absorbing that heat yeah. and creating this extreme heat that that's now itself radiating inside of sure. of the grill onto the charcoal briquettes and causing them to heat up because it's sustaining it because it's conductor. Yeah. Sorry, I keep grinning and it, I if anyone watching this wonders why, it's just because I really wish you had been my science teacher and I love my science <laughs> teacher. Shout out to Mr. Matz. Um, I guess it, more than anything, you remind me of him where I'm like, I'm learning, I'm learning. It's interesting. Like this is all making sense to me. And uh, I would be really, f- I would like, but absolutely love. I'm like, what else can I make Bob teach me? Because <laughs> I know it'll stick. Um, you just communicate really, really well. And it's very clear that you were a teacher. Um, okay. Uh, Emily says, loved your analysis. I had wondered about the door handles. Would they totally melt and burn or were there perhaps pictures taken of them and what position the lock was in front door becky's door garage door uh good question they they probably didn't burn doesn't seem that they made any effort to find them um but yeah that's something that we that we've done in the past particularly like dead bolts you know we've dug out rubble out of fires sure. and you find the dead bolt is closed that could have been done but it wasn't done okay but good thinking, Emily. Uh, Michelle says the report mentions that a few breakers had already tripped from the fire. Are we certain that's the case? Curious whether it's possible the killer slash ers were able to flip those before killing John and Vicky so they'd be in the dark when they entered. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, so the, so the, if you're familiar with breakers, there's a difference between shutting it off and tripping. Mm-hmm. So the, the breaker switch. So if you push it one direction, it's on. Push it the other direction, it's off. When they trip they land in the middle so yes. they don't go all the way to the opposition they just pop into the into the middle and only some were tripped so so like that's an area would mm-hmm. like like i couldn't do that with my house you know every anytime i have to shut off a breaker to like work on something electrical i'm like i think i got it off and then i electrocute myself because i can't remember <laughs> oh, <no>. yeah <laughs> so like, like like for them to be like okay we'll shut off this one this one this one this yeah. one like if they were going to do that they would just shut the main breaker off kill the you know kill the power gotcha. of the whole house yeah, ours also is inside in a closet, so it's really hard to find and get to to shut mm-hmm. breakers off. Uh, Christy C says, everything I've seen slash heard about, forensically speaking, it takes a super high heat and an extreme period of time to render bone to ash. Is it common for appendages to completely disintegrate in a house fire or the wheelbarrow fire? Uh, well, they didn't completely. Di- that was one of the reasons why the forensic anthropologist was able to time how long she had been burning because – she could see how the the rib bones were starting to break down, but they weren't crumbled to ash. And in her report, she shows all kinds of examples of how long that takes. And it would take – I'm not going to give you a number because I don't know. That's not my – I have no idea uh, how long it would take. Uh, I just know from her report what it looks like after 20 minutes, uh, what, what like rib bones would look like. But, yeah, as far as, as, far as like John and his legs being gone, if he's – if I'm right and he's upstairs and I, and there's one thing in the analysis I am extremely confident about mm-hmm. that he was upstairs on that bed and there's mm-hmm. a raging fire underneath him and the, and a bed is a perfect place for that. 
because yeah. at the first of all, the, the heat release rate on a mattress is really high. It puts out a ton of heat. So all that heat, and then it was a, it was an older spring type mattress. So once that material is is burned away, he's still being held up off the floor. So the the there's there can be open flame all around him. It's kind of uh, like a barbecue, which I'm yeah. so sorry to say, but if you're trying to imagine that, it's like the heat's underneath the th- the grate that you put something on. Exactly top of. right. It's exactly right. Oh, so poor John. Um. So it, it well you know. Thankfully, if it's any consolation is, you know, and me, he was already passed away by that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in, in that circumstance, certainly. Now, again, there's a hard, there's not great documentation of it. But with Vicky, I noticed in one of the autopsy photos, like her leg is gone in the, you know, when, when they when they put her in the, the body bag, parts of her legs are gone. But in one of the, it's just one photo. She's on the table and the bottom part of her leg is set on top of her and it looked to be pretty well intact. Like it was the bottom part of a leg and foot. It's just kind of like clearly not still attached, but, uh-huh. but set on top. So, but like, we don't see that in the excavation. We don't see how that was brought out. It looked, I was, I was, it was shocking how intact it was to me when I saw it. I'm like, wait, where was that yeah. in the photos when they're taking her out of the crime scene? And I don't see it. Huh. Um, so yeah, so that so that part, and I'm gonna do some more digging into that too because I had some ideas about what that could, what that could mean. But yeah, in John's case, yeah, if I'm right about that, he's upstairs. All that heat's below him. He's on a mat. Like like those are all the factors that would be what it would take to cause just complete destruction like that. Right. Uh, okay. Molly says I will shout out to the follow up today. Um, a lot of multiple numbered questions within individual posts so i'm like oh interesting like i don't want to pull just one piece out but i have a lot of like one two threes and fours from folks um so before you read that one real quick i just just to tag on to what we were just talking about Mm -hmm. um uh kl in the youtube chat says was john maybe hiding under the mattress uh no i don't think so because basically because of what i said the, the amount the way he's burned all the way around in the it tells me that he was suspended above. He wasn't down as opposed to like Vicky, who did have a, some protected area as though she was on a flat surface. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll let you go ahead with that. question. <clears throat> no, no, no worries. Um, okay. Molly says, were the gas cans in the garage full or empty? Those ones under the workbench. Um, I, I don't remember. I, I, be, I believe she, they varied. Some of them had gas in them. Okay. They were never. She says the arson report describes the nozzle or cap position of each can and its location and yet didn't say how much gasoline yeah. was in the cans. Yeah. And I think it was in either Ramirez's or Leclerc's. Somebody talked about like there appeared to be about two gallons of gas in this one and stuff. But it's again, it's something that should have been documented better and it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Um, Molly, I know you asked about uh, why you think it has to be at least two people. I feel like we've covered that. And I mean that with all due respect, but I do feel like if you go back and listen to past episodes, we've talked at length kind of about the crime scene and about the the guns and all of that stuff. Um, so if you need clarification on that, you want to? Yeah, well, I, it's, it's interesting that that came up because I just had a conversation with somebody um, through private message through the Facebook group the other, um, oh. the other day. And they, and, and they said, and they said, and this person, by the way, is, um, uh, is is a medical exam or a, he's a his title is forensic pathologist. Okay, and I don't know if, and I don't know if it's a he or she. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that. Um, this person is a forensic pathologist. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just having just a really good discussion about a lot of uh, about a lot of things, and they said that um, they believe that 
there was one person and I, and, and certainly they didn't present proof that there was, but, but they made it, they're, they're like, well, the odds of two people keeping quiet about this for all, you know, it seems like this is an impossible secret well, to keep. I, we hear that a lot. With one per- yeah. People turn out to be involved in a lot of things that. Yeah. But it was just interesting because this, this, this is, is, is I consider to be, and they don't agree with me about a lot of things. I want to be clear about that, but, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, very intelligent, very well thought out, everything that, that we were discussing. Um, and so it got me to think, it's like, I still don't think that's the case in my opinion, mm-hmm. based on the, the, the two guns. And, and of course there are scenarios where people could, you know, carry two guns, like have a pistol and tucked into your pants and have a shotgun seems weird to use both. Mm-hmm. Like if you have the one in your hand, why not just keep using that one? Uh, unless they like ran out, you know, they only had two rounds in the shotgun If John was shot first. There's a lot of things there. And then, he, and then he, they mentioned that maybe they used to, there's been cases where people have used two guns to throw authorities off. I don't think it's the case here. Cause this, this wasn't now the more and more I'm looking at the fire. wasn't that well thought out. It was just mm-hmm. like, let's light the house on fire and hope nobody notices that they were murdered um, is what I think happened. And then all of a sudden there's Becky and the fire is already burning. People are coming and they just have to deal with her very quickly. Right. Um, but yeah, j- j- but just so you know, having that thought, there's other people that have that thought too. And certainly you don't know. I think the evidence is pretty indicative of there being two people, but at least two people, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. Well, now I feel bad for shutting that down. Molly, great question. That was good to readdress. Uh, Okay. Mary Louise says, did you or will you be able to interview the arson investigator? It would be great to hear professional to professional. Um, And then this Um, is another like five point question. So I'll start with that. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't reached out. I could. I don't don't see much benefit in doing that, particularly because I I mean, I just don't think that they did a great job and that's just a weird conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, was there a report from the Emmy about how long the two bodies in the house burned, like was done with Becky's body? No. Would you have liked for there to have been, or is it just, again, too many unknowns? Too many unknowns. Yeah. Becky's was a perfect situation to do it because there were not very many unknowns, if any, like, like, like they know the exact, they could recreate that burn in a wheelbarrow. They know there was accelerant used to start, you know, so they could do just a number of tests on cadavers very quickly and easily and figure that out. The house, there's just too many unknowns. Yeah. Bonnie says, have you found any other cases in this area that resemble this one involving murder slash fire with possible robbery or drugs as a motive prior or since this case? If this one is the only one, I feel like it's personal. I'm sorry. Are they asking have there been any up? Like, have we found any evidence of, well, I would use the Sandy case as an example. I think, you know, that's what came up for me when I read Bonnie's question. It was like, you know, as you're doing your investigation, you're like, well, wait a minute. There are crimes that match this crime in this area. Like, oh, that, yeah, yeah. You know, so do we have any evidence of that that's come forward uh, yet? Not that I've seen, but 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 also I'll point out that doesn't the fact that there haven't been another one like in that area that we know of doesn't make this personal like it, it's literally the number one cause of arson or well, number two. Number one is usually financial gain or fraud. Number two is to cover up a crime. I mean, this is this case. The only thing that makes this case unique is Becky being outside in that wheelbarrow. Right. People being shot in their home and then the house lit on fire is extremely common. It's it's a it's a very, very common way for people because the I, people's thought is who don't really understand are, you know, fire investigations, they don't understand that they're going to x-ray the bodies and look for bullets and things like that. They think, well, I'll just burn the house down. That will burn up any evidence, and they'll just assume that the people died in a fire. 
instead of thinking that I came and shot. That's that's extremely common. And and I also just want to respond to Whitney in the in the YouTube chat uh, said it seems like at the beginning of the season I said that the fire indicated strong fire knowledge, and now I'm saying that it's amateurish. And, and it, it, I'm glad you brought that up because you're exactly right. At the beginning, I looked at the arson investigators report, who said there was there was accelerant poured at the front door and at the the door to the garage. The bodies were in the kitchen. Only those two ignition points were set. That to me showed a good knowledge of fire. The fire's open, creates a vent. It's going to spread, but not too fast. Give them a time to get away. There was a lot of things there that indicated like, and, and what I kept saying over and over again is very strange. It's very strange for someone to, you know, usually when people light a house on fire, they pour gas all over the place, light it and get out of there. And it didn't look, now that I've done this investigation and I found right. out that one, it sounds like there wasn't a hole in front of the front door. Two, we know the door to the garage wasn't a point of origin it, that was that was dropped down that was mistaken for a low burn and the entire west side of the floor is completely burned away there could have been fire upstairs john was upstairs when the at least when the at least john was when the fire started and now it's a very different scenario now it looks more like what i would expect right. it looks like what i've seen what i've experienced at at, at fires like this at intentionally set arsons now, so now I'm like, well, there, yeah, there's, there's, there's no sophistication here. They just dumped a bunch of gas all over the place, lit it, and got out of there. And Becky right. surprised them, I think. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you mentioned that in the episode too. Is that you know you you started out thinking one thing, and that you changed your mind based on your own deeper investigation, which is kind of how this all tends to work. Okay. Uh, Carla says I'm a little confused. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By Bob's statements regarding if John and Vicky's bodies were moved, it sounded to Carla like you were saying that John's body was likely on Becky's bed um, and that perhaps that was an indication that the bodies were moved because the killers didn't know which room to put him in. But then a few minutes later, he says he doubts the bodies were moved. Yeah, so this, again, streaming thought as I was right. as doing it. So this is what I would – my conclusion is – I keep saying what we know, and I want to be careful not to say that because it's not fact. This is my conclusion based on the evidence is John's body was on Becky's bed when the house was lit on fire. So then I have to think, what are the, what are the reasons for that? What are possible reasons for that? Was he sleeping on the bed? Uh, was he shot, injured, and retreated and ended up on the bed? Did he retreat from a, a gunman who then shot him when he happened to be in her room near the bed? Or was he shot and killed somewhere else, and then they moved the body to the bed? Um, so those are all possible scenarios. So I was trying to get across was 
because he was found in a bed that wasn't his, if we see evidence that they moved the bodies, that would indicate to me it's someone who's not familiar with the house. Because and the reason for that is because they would pick them up and set him in what they may probably thought was his bed, but in fact it was the wrong bed because they don't know them. When I said later, I don't think that the bodies were moved, however, and that's because the patterns on on Vicky indicate to me that she was on the ground. I don't know. And one of the reasons, there's no pictures of the laundry room area where her body was found. Not one picture of the floor there for me to get an assessment of huh. whether she was found there or not. But I, I do know that she was on, on a hard surface when the fire was burning at first. I could tell from the burn patterns on her body. And so that led me to believe the bodies weren't moved. Because if you were going to take the time to say, well, let's move the bodies to make it look like they were in bed, you wouldn't put one body in the bed and then put right. another body on the ground. You'd put them well, both maybe in the bed. You would, maybe you would, do, you would take the first one and then be like, we're not going to do this a second time. I mean, I'm not saying that I think that's what happened, but like, you know. If you're yeah. like, wow, that was awful and hard. Like we had to carry a body upstairs. Right. Fuck it. Let's not do this. We're amateurs, you know. Yeah. And it, and again, when we're talking about behavioral analysis, you know, it, there's always, you know, it's always a probability thing, right? We're never saying like one thing or another. But but it, to me, I don't see evidence that the bodies were moved. That's solely based on the fact that I think one was on the bed, one was on the floor. And I don't see that as being a particularly likely scenario if someone moved the bodies yeah yeah chris chris was sort of further thinking on the john being on becky's bed thing and was just saying um they can't make sense of this um just trying to figure out again you know uh, you talk about as you just said you sort of trying to figure out the scenario in which he ends up there and um maybe still feeling kind of mystified by that and trying to figure out like uh, i'm not going to read all of it just because we're running out of time chris i'm sorry but well, um, like was it, was someone specifically looking for something in her room? Um, you have to understand, you know, this was a this would be a dynamic crime scene and it would be chaos. OK, so there, there's two people in there with two guns shooting people. Now, if this is like an execution of some kind, maybe they come in, shoot them. But I doubt that's the case. I think there was mm-hmm. probably there was probably some motive that we're not seeing and potentially, you know, John had several guns. In the house, you know, there were, there was there's a photo where they f- took the remnants of at least five guns set on, on the ground that had burned up, you know, so he could have been going to get a gun to defend themselves. There, there's there's a lot of so and there's a lot of moving parts. And as I mentioned, now Vicky's Vicky's gunshot wound would have been instant death, meaning instant inca- incapacitation, like she would right. drop to the ground. That's it, you know, a shot to the brain like that. John's would not be. Um, that was one of the conversations I was having with the with the pathologist. You know, he said, "Well, it could cause instant death if it hits the the heart just right." But as I said, it depends on what you're calling death. Like if you're if you mean like it can hit and cause blood pressure to stop and heart to stop beating immediately, I agree. What I'm talking about is the ability to move, and mm. and so you know your heart, is, your heart and lungs are working together to bring oxygen out and pump that oxygenated blood out to your muscles and organs, and that's what gives you the ability to move. When you stop the heart, your muscles and and everything in your brain and everything still has oxygen in it. Until that oxygen is depleted, you can still move. And I always take it, you know, always relate this back in my mind to to hunting. Like when you if if, if you shoot a you say a deer or an elk or something, if you take a high powered rifle and shoot it through, you know, a broadside shot that goes through both lungs and the heart, 
that animal will always run, you know, a hundred yards or more. Yeah. They'll take off in a full sprint. And it's because even though the heart is no longer pumping, their muscles all still have oxygen in them. So the point being, when we're trying to like, I wouldn't spend too much time based on the little bit that we're stipulating to or that we know or, or believe trying to come up with a scenario there. Cause again, there's just too many unknowns. I mean, it's possible John could have been shot in the, in this, in, you know, down on the second floor with that bird shot and ran upstairs and got all the way for some reason out to that, that bedroom before his body finally started to shut down. And he, and he, you know, or he's retreating and, and he's on his way up there when he shot, or he gets up there and kind of hits the end of the road. There's nowhere else to run. And then he gets, there's a million scenarios that right. could equal that. Yeah, they're actually Susan. I wanted to follow up with Susan because uh, I thought she had a really interesting scenario. Again, we we know we're all totally speculating. There's a bunch of information we don't have, but I thought this one was really interesting. Susan says, I'm now envisioning a scenario that ties some random facts together. The family had an emergency escape plan in place to jump out of a window if there was a fire. Intruders come into the house when they're all upstairs. Vicky is killed. That's a pos- you know that's a positing that Vicky was upstairs, but Vicky is killed and John runs towards Becky's room, possibly already shot. He attempts to warn, he's attempting to warn Becky, but also jump out of her window. He sends her out first, puts on her Roxy sandals laying in her room and is preparing to go out the window, but dies before he can get out. The scenario doesn't speak to who did it, but um, I just love hearing those creative kind of like, like we're all trying to do is sort of fill in those missing gaps, you know, with yeah. the little that we have. And don't get me and wrong. When you I, add I, something like him being on her bed, that feels so significant in something. Do you know what I mean? So we yeah. want to help build the scenario from there. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. I have a million scenarios I've run. I do that. I do this all day long trying yeah. to, and I just haven't, you know, I'm not kind of walking through them all. Cause like any one of them is like, yeah, that could have happened or it could have not happened or this could have happened or it could be this or it could be that. And there's just, no, there's, there's nothing there to, to really lean into one theory or another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cheryl says, I have a question regarding some of the theories I'm hearing about how they may have all been killed upstairs. And then I am hearing, I don't know what I am hearing about. I don't know if that means that um, she's also reading stuff on Facebook or if, because it sort of sounds like it's broader than you being, you talking on the podcast. Um, and you also weren't sure about the killed upstairs thing. You said the, that the, that may not have happened. So, but and then I'm hearing about how John may have heard some commotion and tried to get Becky out of the house. My question is, what do you think would have led him to think it was something that was life threatening? Maybe he was downstairs when someone entered with guns. Uh, this again, this is like I might just it's everything we've been talking about. We're just trying yeah. to piece things together. Yeah, I think any at this point, especially just run a little long. Any of the you know theories like that i think we can just move yeah. past to the to the questions because yeah. I, I can't answer any of them but this is a great question from lynn were the rocky sandals on john, roxy sandals on john's feet or just in the debris located around and under him makes sense that they belonged to becky and fell off from the bedroom and she kept if she kept them under her bed or something like if they were just near him yeah they were just near he didn't have any feet yeah. were, his feet yeah. were gone Jenna, can we go over what evidence there is that becky was definitely in the house and escaped as opposed to the previous idea that she may may have come home become a witness and run right back out i just can't remember if we found proof of her escaping the fire or if it's just another option and i know that you i think that brings up the idea of still wanting a little more clarity yourself about yeah. the um about the the fluid the that was coming out of her mouth and oh i have an update on that too oh um, well then i'm glad that we brought that up yeah uh as far, as far as one thing i want to make, make clear like we don't know that right so we don't know I, i'm not saying for sure, Becky was in the house and she escaped 
What I'm saying is that's what I think the evidence indicates. I think that I agree with Jim's Jim's behavioral analysis of this. Um, that he, when we when we updated him when we were in in L.A. that there's just there's and we've all unless you're just kidding yourself from the very beginning have tried to wrap our brains around why in the it, Becky being outside the house has never made sense. So people can jump through a million g- mental gymnastics to try to come up with a reason why someone would kill her in the desert. Go kill her parents, light the house, go back out into the desert, get the body, bring the body back, light it on fire. Like, like none of the, like, like no one can come up with a reasonable scenario as to why anybody would do that. Doesn't mean people don't do unreasonable things. It's possible. So that's still possible. But Becky being outside the house was, was again, based on a very logic based behavioral analysis that the purpose of the fire in the house was to conceal the fact that a crime occurred at all. It wasn't to it, it, it wasn't to hide forensic evidence. I mean that could be part of it. But typically when the houses are burned like that is to is to make it look like it was an accident. To make it so your so if your pur- purpose in lighting the house on fire is to conceal the fact that a crime occurred at all, then Becky being burnt in an area making sure and and I said this in episode 1 like, but then you have her out here that says, hey, this was a murder. This was a murder. When you just did all that work inside to make it look not, like not a murder, it mm-hmm. looked like she would be the interruption. And, and for some reason, it was just so clarifying to me when Jim said that when we were at our live show, when he just very clearly said, if Becky was the first to die, her body would have been in the house. Right. They never would have left her out there. He said, you know, he said, this is a double homicide with a witness. That's what we have. That's what we have here. Right. And again. That doesn't, it could be wrong, but that's why, you know, all of that is what adds up to me to why we, I don't think that Becky, it, I, I don't think she came, it's possible she came home, walked in on something, but the thing is we don't have any evidence to support that she left and came back. It could have happened. There's the whole call to Denny's thing, but that, you know, that's, we haven't been able to corroborate that or prove that. Um uh, but as far as the the frothing of her mouth, the same forensic pathologist that I was that I was speaking to mm-hmm. s- said, and I don't want I, I don't want to misquote. I don't have my phone in front of me. They either said ninety five or ninety nine percent certain, in, in their professional opinion. And I, I actually asked them to do an interview, but their employer doesn't allow them to do interviews. Otherwise, I would just let them tell you. But they either said ninety nine or ninety five percent sure. But definitely, their opinion is that Becky was suffoc that, that her cause of death was suffocation. Um, okay. Yeah, or strangulation because uh, they also okay. said that they said it's definitely possible to strangle somebody and not break the hyoid bone, and that was the only reason they kind of ruled out strangulation because the hyoid bone wasn't broken. They said right. that's that's certainly possible, but as we had said before, like that frothing and, and stuff that, that we see uh, is indicative of. I should have asked that. I'm going to ask them how long after death. That would because that would be interesting if it's like does that happen hours later or does it happen minutes mm, later because yeah. we have a pretty good timeline on that uh, on the the frothing coming out because her body was burning you see all the charring and stuff around her body and then after the fire was extinguished sometime between then and around two or three in the morning when DeHart took the photos of her that is it it the the that pink froth has come out of her mouth and nose and is running down the side of her face over the top of the ash and stuff that's on her face. Hmm. So be curious to know. Yeah. And I'm sure heat heat probably plays a factor in that too, but I'll ask them after we got off this one. I'll message them and ask. Oh, great. Um, okay. 
And I know that there were, I apologize, there were some great questions that were put on to the follow up, but it was like an hour or two before we started. And unfortunately, that would mean me getting up at like four or five in the morning right. to get those. So maybe we'll go in and like pop some answers in, um, uh, type some answers in. We talked about the froth. Casey, shout out to you. You're asking about the frothing. We just talked about that. Uh, Jill B says, am I remembering correctly? The shoe was found while a while later on the edge of the burnt out house. Maybe this links to the theory of Becky coming out onto the roof and meeting the attackers between there and the wheelbarrow. Um, the shoe thing was just in your, you found, well, we, we talked about, there was never like a shoe found, like this is a right. pristine shoe. You found a picture that looked like it could be a shoe and that was right. not necessarily any particular place. It was just like in the rubble somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it was while they okay. were they were excavating the the rubble. Um, okay. Yeah, we don't know where the shoe was. There was also there was a, and I think it was I mentioned it last week. There was like a news report or something where somebody said they found a single shoe sitting against the foundation of the house, but that wasn't found by police or doc. So I don't, we don't know what shoe that was. There's been a lot of discussion about what it would look like, you know, because the shoes missing and the socks rolled down, uh, and a lot of people speculated about well, if she's if she like lost the shoe climbing out a window and is then trying to then navigate the roof, which is a pretty steep, steep roof um, that, you know, that that could cause, you know, the asphalt shingles are, you know, kind of tacky. They would grab onto things. And if you're, you know, if you're trying to navigate a steep roof, typically you'll kind of face the roof and lean into it going down backwards. And that could cause the sock to roll down. There's been a lot of that. people have suggested that if she was like up on the roof getting down and they found her and then they like grabbed her leg and pulled her down, that could cause it to roll down. So there's a lot of scenarios there. Gotcha. I'm, I am I hate to interrupt you, but Uli just said in the YouTube chat, there is a shoe on the front porch. I'm going to let you read your question while I'm waiting for Uli to respond. But um, Uli, is it by chance a white shoe? Because I didn't notice that, but that's good. To, that's very good to know. There's a shoe on the front porch, like after the damage and everything, there's still just a shoe on the front porch? I don't know. Uh, she says, you can see it clearly in one of the pics in the report. Doesn't look like the shoe Becky was wearing, though. Okay, I'll I'll take a look at that later, and we'll we'll come back. Thank you, Uli, for pointing that out. And again, I think we already shouted him out, but shouted her out. But Uli's been doing a fantastic job of breaking down this report. Yeah, yeah. There's great stuff on Facebook. If you haven't joined the Facebook, but you enjoyed these follow ups, please go on there and end up re- just using your whole day up being fascinated by what everyone's saying, which is very dangerous. So you've been warned because uh, yeah. there's a lot of great stuff on there. Pamela says, I think we should talk about this very quickly because we're talking about escape routes and all that kind of stuff. Just revisiting the sock. Couldn't find information, Pamela says, about the condition of the sock rolled down on Becky's foot. Did they take photos of it after it was removed? Can you tell from any pictures if there's any debris on the bottom of it or on her foot? We've talked about this before, but I think really good to revisit now anything to indicate if she ran or walked after the shoe came off sand vegetation etc if it came off from being lifted onto a wheelbarrow i don't understand why it would why it wouldn't have just been thrown in with her body and set on fire just seems like the sock should be able to tell us more well in a very real dna way possibly the sock could tell us more but i think on yeah. top of that i love this question from pamela yeah and there's no yeah there are photos of it there's no significant debris on it i mean there's a couple little spot but but it's not like dirty there's not that's it's a, my personal hypothesis about the sock was as if becky was and how she lost the shoe this is and again this is just speculation my hypothesis is that if she got down or got out of the house and started running and she was caught she i think that she probably went down into the position that most people do in that scenario which is to roll onto your back to face your attacker 
And then people generally in that circumstance would be kicking at them. And I think that probably she got on her back somewhere near the wheelbarrow and was kicking at her attacker who grabbed her foot. And that's when the shoe and the sock rolled down. And then they continued that fight and then put their hand over her. And I think that they probably smothered her or or strangled her. And someone in the YouTube chat also would ask, like, why would they strangle her when they have guns? Why wouldn't they just shoot her? There's a lot of reasons for that. Again, very dynamic chaotic scene when this is happening if she surprised them and they weren't expecting it one they so maybe it was the person with the shotgun and maybe it was a double barrel shotgun and it wasn't loaded anymore or or they thought like i don't want to fire guns off outside where everybody's going to hear them also if you think you've eliminated the two threats and you're busy setting fires why are you still holding your guns yeah yeah well and and, and well i think that they left on foot so they would have had the gun still but but when you could have set them somewhere because you're doing this other thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you're holstering. Your, I mean, I understand. A, yeah, that's a, a good point. Gun, but like if you have a shotgun, are you carrying your shotgun while you're pouring? Or yeah, good, but that's a good point. Go set it down somewhere. Yeah, that's a that, yeah, really good so point. They could have set it down. Gun. Yeah, there's, a there's million. no sign of a struggle around the wheelbarrow that we know of because. Yeah, there was no there's not a photo of the path between the back door and the so we don't know what it was looking like there. And the whole area was trampled by firefighters dragging hoses and everything else. So we don't know because right. I've seen that come up like, well, there's no sign of a struggle there. Well, we don't know if there was a sign of a struggle there. It's an, that's an unknown. And um, we, and we, originally you had said back door to wheelbarrow because you thought maybe she went out the back door. But that still holds for if she comes off the roof onto that bay window and potentially onto like a picnic table or onto the ground yeah. or whatever. That's still essentially just a shorter version of the of the longer path between the the back door and the wheelbarrow right just yeah. to put that into perspective the window is yeah. just that much closer to the wheelbarrow yeah exactly right yeah the bay window okay great. Yep. and and, it's, and so the point is there's any any number of scenarios as to why and again just knee-jerk reaction also and you look at like oh shit there's somebody else here and you go just go grab them and tackle them and take them down and, and once you're and then the reason i think smothering is is just thinking behaviorally logically is okay well the first thing she's going to do is start screaming for help and the first thing you're going to do is put your hand over her mouth to stop her from doing that and and at that point, you're already in the position to finish her off right there without you know letting go and grabbing a gun. Right. Uh, that is all I have for today, including all the things I started reading and then we ended up not reading. And I love all of you who posted those things. And I'm sorry we didn't get all the way through. Um, I love trying to figure out my brain. I just want to ever reiterate my brain is doing the exact same thing. All of you with theories are trying to figure out what scenarios could put people where they were. Everybody's doing that. And yeah. Um, you know, I, and I love everybody's doing a something great brilliant job. can come out of that. Like, yeah, for sure. And, and if you and if you follow my posts over since since Sunday, my evolution of what the house looked like is like the perfect example of like, this is what I think based on what I have. And then listeners going, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And then and then, you know, learning more and then putting it together. Um, and for any of you that Uli just said in the in the chat that if you look at picture, why, 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 why? And the, so if you go through the arson report, all those pictures are labeled is the one that has the shoe in it, which I will be looking at as soon as we get off of here. But that is, um, so if you, in the case file, pick why, 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 why is, and he says way on the right side of the picture is where you can see the shoe on the front porch. So I'm really curious to check that out and see what that looks like. Cause that's a really weird thing to have one shoe on the front porch when you happen to have one victim missing a shoe. Although Uli says it doesn't look like her, like Becky's shoe, but we'll see. And with that, I think yeah, I think we've, we've covered a lot. Everybody, fantastic job. Keep doing it. Uh, I, I think, like, for me, and I know, of course, there's always the people that just disagree with literally everything I say. Now, I disagree with that, Bob. Just <laughs> now, kidding. You see what I did there? <laughs> uh, 
but like for me, I'm starting to get a better picture of the house, about people's movements, about where people were at. I'm at least coming up in my mind finally with a scenario that makes sense because the biggest confusion, you know, the biggest thing from this case from the very beginning was none of this makes sense. Why does it, none, nothing adds up in this case. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly could be wrong, but it's like, oh, well, if this happened, then that happened, then that could have happened. And that makes perfect sense why they would have done this right. or that. So right. we're getting a good place. I do want to point out to um, uh, some of you that were in the YouTube live last week, I had Kelly cut out. We had a, we had a, we had a bit that was in the follow-up. Where Zach had looked at the uh, photos, one of the uh, crime scene photos of a shoe print, and it looked like it was really small and literally live on the air, determined that it was like a size six shoe or something. And, and we were like, holy, you know, that's a huge find. Uh, and then afterwards, Zach and I spent an hour working on the crime scene photos and using scaling and Photoshop to put the piece stuff together, determined that wasn't that wasn't accurate, that you know, once we've put the whole shoe in there looks like it was maybe like a size like nine or 10 or maybe even 11 shoe. There's some, some wiggle room there, but just so you know, if you were in the YouTube chat and then you were wondering why that wasn't in the episode, it's because I decided that I didn't want to confuse people by putting that out and making you wait a week before we correct right. it. So I just had it taken out. So good. That's why gotcha. that was there. Um, this Sunday's What's episode next. Yeah. You know, I'm going to ask you what next week's is. Yeah. So this Sunday, um, some of you will love it. Some of you will hate it, uh, but this is what it is. We're moving along with the case against Robert and Christian. The most logical next step for me is to let you guys hear Christian's follow-up interview that occurred on January 9th of 2007. So this is, you've been hearing nothing but me talk for the last couple of months. Um, I was certainly happy not to have to write a script this week. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, this Sunday's episode is an interview, It is, but it's not just some random teenager. It is Christian Smith's interview from January 9th, 2007. So this will literally be the first time we are actually hearing from Christian himself. Correct. Because the only yeah, other time we've heard from him was a sort of needed to be an encapsulation of what he said. Yeah, and, and we had the transcript. His, his transcript up because, yeah, my audio file, that was correct. It wouldn't play. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's another interview that I want to get to with Robert from October, but I have, I have like piece together video files that have decent audio. And then I found audio files and the audio is terrible, but the audio mm-hmm. in the video is good. So I'm trying to figure out a way to get those mashed together so that uh, we can hear Christian or Robert's interview from October as well. So all of that is That's coming cool. out. Thank you everybody in the YouTube chat. We really appreciate you guys and all of you that are listening and getting involved in the fan page and doing the work. You guys are doing awesome. And I'm just loving to see the crowdsourced nature of what we're doing. So thank you guys. And we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, 
Kathy McElhaney, Kaywood Yomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. Why am I? Do- what am I doing? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you like I'm on Jimmy Pardo's like podcast. I can with hear you. <laughs> the post credits playing on the actual follow up episode because Kelly is 100% going to use this for the last part of the episode. You fucking idiot. It's not even good. It's not good. Wasn't funny. That's for damn sure. <laughs> mm, Kelly, we're going to start over right here. My brain just did it again. My brain already went I'm doing into, it. I'm uh, doing it. Shut up. I'm going to do it right now. Ready? Yep. Go. go. So it's just going to be Bob and me. As we wade into the YouTube, and I also regret everything that I've just said. You were killing it. You were doing. Why did I say wade into the YouTube? I had already given up at that point. You don't know, but there was a light that went off in my eyes. I'm going to do it again real quick. It's totally fine. The whole thing? It's totally fine. I'm a professional. I'm a professional. Here I go. Ahoy, friends. This is your Friday follow-up for episode 42, The Fire, A Closer Look, in which Bob took a closer (laughs) look. Why am I saying a closer look right after I just said the title of the episode is a closer look? You may be wondering why it was called A Closer Look. Well, that's because Bob took a closer look. And Bob is the host of the podcast. So really it all fits. Let me clarify all of it. Uh, 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 hang on, I got a stitch in my side. Uh, I'm going to die. That was good. Did you tell him Zach wasn't there? Nope. <laughs> I think it's fine. It's fine. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. 
only in Chessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji, only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.